Welcome to another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty and Micah Adams. Gentlemen, how are you doing in this uh, weird, I, I guess everyone says it, the weird times that we live in? What, what are some of the other things that we get in emails? I'm great, man. Unprecedented times. Aside from the uh, the tropical storm that's raging on outside my window, I was uh, <laughs> joking with Scott before we came on. The gutter that's going from the house to the backyard looks like it's a splash mountain at uh, at Disney World. So I feel like I'm right at home. I'm ready for the NBA playoffs to start. I was going to say that's a perfect tie into the NBA. Yeah, 100% a perfect tie into the NBA. On this very episode, we will be discussing the uh, – magnitude of formats that may happen should the nba return we're getting closer micah you and i talked about on the live edition of nba sound system earlier this week um you're finally optimistic i've always been optimistic scott where is your optimism on whether or not the nba season will return uh i'm not gonna lie i wasn't very optimistic at the start of this i just didn't see a scenario where the season would come back but based on everything that's being reported over the last two four weeks or so I mean, it's it's hard not to be optimistic about the season returning. It looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, it does look like it's going to happen. And uh, with that, we have a bunch of different playoff, potential playoff scenarios should the season return. As Micah mentioned, uh, Disney World seems to be the place where all of this might happen. Uh, at Walt Disney in Orlando, uh, it, it's, you know, it's not Universal Studios, but it's uh, the ESPN zone is what, what is the, what's the actual it's, name of it it's the espn wide world complex of sports yes a million basketball courts there i mean there couldn't be more basketball courts in one area we were there last year for the uh, nba junior championships and just walking around that campus it feels like it could host multiple basketball games so it seems like a thumbs up all around to have the nba season resume there uh we'll be discussing the different playoff formats that's been rumored We'll have a discussion about championship tiers. Mike Adams wrote an article on NBA.com, CA.NBA.com. You can go over there and read it right now. And he ranked the championship teams, uh, but he did it in tier format. So tier one had you know the guys who have the best chance of winning a championship. Tier, tier two, easy for me to say. Two, three, and four had the rest of the field uh, should the playoffs start today. So we'll dissect that. And we'll also get into how that championship tier will actually change with the proposed new formats uh, if the NBA season does resume. So we'll start with the NBA season's resume, resuming. Just assume that uh, we're getting basketball back sometime in mid-July. And format number one, my favorite format, is to keep the playoff teams that we currently have. Sorry, Portland. Sorry, New Orleans. Sorry, San Antonio. But you're not making it this year. Keep the eight, four, eight teams in each conference that we currently have and rank them 1-16 and go at the playoffs that way. We need to change. We need to spice things up. This is a perfect way to spice things up. 1-16, I think that's the best way to do it. Scott, where do you sit on that? I'm with you. Calm. We already talked about this a little bit, specifically for how it impacts the Raptors in a different podcast, but to me, there's just so many fun storylines that could come out of this. Um, even, even the first round is more interesting for most of these teams, but beyond that, we could be looking at something like the Celtics or the Sixers against the Clippers in the second round. Um, we could be looking at the Bucks against the Heat, which would be a great matchup because the Heat actually defended the Bucks and Giannis specifically really well this season. Um, you know, Raptors, Denver in the second round, things like that. So for me, there's just so many more interesting matchups, so many good storylines that could come out of this. And I don't really see much downside. The only concern that I have with all of this is that no matter who gets crowned a champion, people are going to try and assign an asterisk next to it just because that's the nature of everything that's going on right now. But in saying that, I think this is probably, if they are going to change it, I think this is the best way to do it. I yeah. just, look, we, you, you mentioned the, the dreaded A word. It, was, it took, what, four minutes and 20 seconds for us to hear <laughs> that first word. And, like, that's going to be floating out there no matter what. So, like, why not just, like, why not really go for something, go for broke and do something completely unprecedented, even if it's not anything that's replicable, even if it's not anything that's sort of, sort of some long-term solution, uh, give me a 20-team format. I want the World Cup-style group play. Make, make this, just embrace it for what it is, which is something that we've just never seen before, that we've never dealt with. And no matter what you do, there's going to be an asterisk next to it. So I think that this is an opportunity for the NBA to really just take take the innovation to the next level and just 
uh, kind of just embrace it for what it is because it's a situation where no matter what, no matter what they ultimately decide to do, there's not going to be a format in which everyone is happy with this. Like life isn't fair, right? So if you wanted to just cut off and just go, these are the 16 teams. This is what we're going to do. I don't really have a huge problem with that, uh, but I do think that there's something to be said for those four teams that were in ninth through twelfth in the West, and just saying sorry, you know, sorry, see you later, try again next year. I don't know. That doesn't quite feel right to me either. So I, I'm in favor of give me a 20 team World Cup style group play tournament, and let's just go for broke. I know two things on that, though. For me, the first thing that stands out is I agree with you. No matter what happens, people are going to try and put an asterisk next to this. But if you go with something like that, it's just going to give people even more of an excuse to do that, right? So that's why I, I, I'm not all on board with the World Cup style. Um, and I forgot my second point for that. So, Ma- Colin, if you want to say something, I'll, I'll <laughs> Really strong rebuttal there. That is strong. <laughs> one of Scott's strongest rebuttals of all time, uh, to be honest with you. I want to address the asterisks thing because uh, before we get into the actual formats, I mean, we've been hearing this for now the last couple of weeks ever since there was a rumor that the season would return. Prior to that, there wasn't really anyone saying much about the asterisk factor. And I want to say to every single NBA fan listening right now that has the opinion that there would be an asterisk next to this title, get that out of your mind and stop using that as a crutch to not have your favorite team win an NBA championship. Because I guarantee you, if one of the teams or if your team wins an NBA championship, guess what you're not going to be saying about this championship? That it's an asterisk. Just this morning, I actually watched uh, game five of the 99 finals between the San Antonio Spurs and the New York Knicks. That was on NBA TV. And uh, the, the, the Spurs didn't seem to you know, struggle celebrating that championship in the quote-unquote asterisk season, the shortened season of the NBA where they only played 50 games that season. The Spurs won. When we, we talk about Tim Duncan being the greatest power forward of all time. We don't say that he has four and a half rings. We say that he has five rings. He's five championships. David Robinson, same thing. He has champions, multiple championships, and that was in that season. I am sick and tired of hearing about the Astros because you can make a case that there's an Astros every single year that the trophy is handed out. Someone gets hurt. Someone gets injured. Things happen. People get suspended in the case of the Golden State Warriors when they were up 3-1 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. There is an asterisk. You can say there's an asterisk for every single season in the NBA. This one will be no different. Stop using it as an excuse for your team not having the same chance what? that it probably will. What about the positive asterisk? What about there's the asterisk, but let's go in the other direction? Because I do think that there is this... There's a conversation, I, th- I think usually you hear asterisk and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't mean as much. Or somehow uh, the conditions made something easier. I would argue that the circumstances under which we're about to play this, this postseason, knock on wood, uh, makes it harder. It's harder than ever to win. If you come out of this as the one team still standing, after not playing for three months, after having a rushed training camp, after descending upon uh, what the uh, Walt Disney World and playing in front of no fans with with uh staying in and just the Pop Century All Star Resort or whatever that you or I would go to if we went on a family vacation. I I think that there are so many things that go into this that make it actually harder, not easier. Uh, so I there might be an asterisk, but I don't think it's an asterisk in the way that people might. Assume. I don't know. I, I think that winning a title under these circumstances is harder, not easier. See, I, I agree with you on that. I, I just think that if you do something like the World Cup, you just give people even more of an excuse to put an asterisk next to it. That, that was basically my point. Those people um, are going to be miserable regardless. So let, you know what? If you're going to be one of those miserable people, just... Just go be miserable by yourself. I don't want to. I don't want to hear the. the misery. I mean, I, I, NBA fans may be the most miserable bunch of fans in in all of uh, you know the number one four sports. If it's are you not, a fan of the Buffalo Bills? I am, but I'm talking about in terms of trying to complain about finding ways to complain about things. We wait oh, forever yeah. for the regular season to start. It comes, and then by Christmas, it's like. Oh, well, the regular season doesn't matter. Let's get to the playoffs. The playoffs finally show up in the first round. Uh, well, it, it, playoffs don't really matter until the conference finals when they the actual teams that have a chance to win it. The finals end, and then it's, oh, man, let's hurry up and get to Summer League. Summer League shows up, and it's like, oh, man, these games stink. It's Summer League. 
there's always a reason for an NBA fan to complain, and this is another reason for them to complain. We just spent two months, the better part of two months without basketball, and all I saw in my timeline is, well, man, give me basketball, give me basketball. We're going to get basketball now, and someone's complaining about it. I agree. This is, one of of this, this is one of the downstream effects of having this sort of like the, the rings or bust culture. When it turns into a all that matters is what kind of hardware you have at the end of the road, like people do not take enough uh, stock into uh, the journey itself. And to me, the journey itself, that's why we watch the games in the first place. Like, you know, uh, we we uh, a couple months ago were talking about how uh, you know I, I think it was back in back in December when James Harden was averaging uh, almost forty points a game and somehow people were not allowing themselves to appreciate what he was doing in December because he hadn't somehow done anything in June to warrant <laughs> getting love. What happens in December? Like that is such a backwards way of looking about it. And if, if all you care about is the ring on the finger, then just simulate the season and don't even play the games. Like people need to be able to hit pause, take a deep breath, watch the actual games and just take solace in the fact that something is better than nothing. I agree. So we have the two options uh, for, or the two most, I mean, famous options. There could be more options out there. I heard some rumblings about a playing tournament for those four teams that aren't in the West, in the Western Conference playoffs, which would be San Antonio Pelicans, uh, the Kings, Portland right? Trailblazers, and the Sacramento Kings. Those four teams who are closest to a seed in the playoffs. I heard a little bit about you know a playing tournament for them as well. But uh, the two most famous ones and most. I see on my timeline anyway uh, that most people are supporting is the one to sixteen and also the World Cup style of matchup, which we've we've talked about here. Um, you wrote a piece, Micah, on NBA.com talking about the championship tiers. Now you wrote that piece with in mind that we would have a regular playoff finish to the end of the season. Um, does anything really change in your mind with a new format, one or one way or the other? Yeah, so when I wrote that, I did it with the assumption that we were just going to go straight to, here's the top 16, boom, go. Uh, and look, I, I had 12 teams charted out that could win the NBA title. I think that list grows to 13 teams by uh, expanding the field. Oh, boy. I think it's 13 teams that can win uh, the NBA title. If you say the Pelicans right now, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> it's of course the Pelicans. Why <laughs> are here? What are we doing? Get out of here. Okay. The, the New York Knicks, uh, as an eight seed, reached the NBA Finals in the 99 lockout season, in part be just because just of the laney, loony, ridiculous, unprecedented season in which teams just never got in a rhythm and something was just off the whole way. Okay, what do we do all of a sudden if we're in a situation like, okay, let me give you a perfect example. Say we go to a situation where we do the World Cup-style tournament, okay? And now when the World Cup does it, they basically have it premeditated ahead of time, where it's like if you win Group A, you play the second-place team from Group B. Right. No matter who it is, that's who you're playing. If the NBA all of a sudden does that, and then you have a situation where it's like, okay, the Lakers win their group, but the Milwaukee Bucks finish second in their group, but they are also groups A and B. And now all of a sudden you're having two teams meet in the second round of the playoffs that otherwise wouldn't have met until the finals. I'm just, we have no idea how teams or players are going to react to any of this. Uh, some guys might come back and just say, you know what? I can't, I'm, I'm rusty. I need a regular season to gear up for the playoffs anyway. Teams could get eliminated earlier. I'm just saying on talent alone, I think that there, there are enough teams that can catch lightning in a bottle if certain dominoes fall a certain way. One of those teams is the New Orleans Pelicans. So are you, now, but they would be – they are 13th of 13th. Okay. But, you know. But besides the fact that, you know, the, I, I really and truly hate the World Cup idea because I think it gives everybody equal playing field. And, and you mentioned, you know, the Pelicans could get hot all of a sudden in their knockout stage. I think the thing that makes people are trying to make the comparison to the World Cup and it's, it's basically the World Cup model. But the thing that makes the World Cup still exciting when you get to the knockout stage, it's one game elimination. It is going to be horrible. 
to see the Memphis Grizzlies play the Lakers in a knockout scenario when games are actually supposed to matter. In the first round, if you do it 1-16 or 1-8 in the regular format, you know you're getting those teams out of there to get to better teams. Whereas if you put it in this sort of format and somehow, some way, either the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, or one of those teams sneak through to the knockout stage, you are now basically gifting one of the teams you know that are going to finish first in any of those groups an easy buy pretty much in that first round. They're not going to lose four times to one of those bad team, lesser teams that happen to slip into the playoffs. As hot as they can get in the group stage, knockout stage, it is not going to happen in a seven-game series. And that's where I think that loses a little bit of the allure to me because now you don't have the best of the best of the best going against each other. You, you kind of open up the door for you know, a walkthrough for the Lakers, and then all of a sudden now the Bucks are, and the Sixers are in a knockdown drag-out battle. It takes away a little bit away from me after the, you know, the, the, the Bucks wasted, not wasted, but it would be a waste if they were in this format because they spent however long trying to build a gap between them and second place to guarantee themselves home court advantage, and now they enter this with zero advantages other than hopefully the luck of a draw. But you can add, you can add advantages because we talked about this Colin the other day too. Is that they could in theory, and I think Kevin O'Connor reported this in the Ringer story that he wrote that the teams who have the best records might be able to choose which opponents or at least one opponent in each group. So in that sense, you give the Bucks the first choice of which opponent they want there, and that's a way of, of well, who are you picking if you're if you're Milwaukee, right? Who are you picking? The Magic. Well, you would play the Magic under any scenario really? anyway. So why would you? Out of all twenty. I would pick the Magic as well. Out of all 20? Out of all 20, probably, right? They're the first team that came to mind for me. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to play Zion. I wouldn't want to play Damian Lillard. I probably wouldn't even want to play the Kings who get up and down the court, stuff like that. Like, th- those teams are, I, I'd say the Magic, probably, yeah. Right. Man, and, if, you're and, gonna, if you're going to win an NBA title, I, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear about a tough draw in the first <laughs> round. Like, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you can't get by the San Antonio Spurs, like, you don't deserve to win a title asterisk or no asterisk. That's fair. But, I, but what I'm saying is, is that you're putting them on equal playing field, and that's where the unfair part is. is you're, you're knocking out a team that worked their tails off all season long and rewarding the Spurs, who are a billion games under 500 at this point. Also, Mikey, you just went on a rant about how we should – appreciate the regular season and stuff like that this is the way of doing that then 100 percent. we already have a problem with that right like we already have the biggest problem in all of all of the four majors about really uh you know appreciating the regular season no other no other sport you know the nhl doesn't have that issue the mlb doesn't have an issue and definitely not the nfl they don't have an issue about you know whether or not we, we we appreciate what happens in the regular season this to me in a world cup format is really spitting in the face and giving credence to those who say the regular season doesn't matter one of the things that i'm already getting mad about though and and i i I can i can i'm i'm actually in my head the wheels are turning carlin about an argument that you and i are going to have like two months from now (laughs) okay because i think that no matter what happens okay and no matter what two teams play each other and when one team sweeps another all of a sudden people are going to be coming out of the woodworks and blaming uh, the results on whatever imperfect solution uh, they come up with. Okay, we have sweeps every year in the second round and in the conference finals. We have bad series all the time. Uh, just last year, we had a situation where the Warriors and Rockets played in the second round when everyone knew that those were the two best teams in the West and that whoever they played, whether it was Denver or Portland in the conference finals, that was a, a glorified pushover anyway. These things are not new. Like just because teams maybe uh, aren't aren't on the same side of the bracket as they normally would, or one team that isn't as good as another sneaks by and and goes further, or uh, oh no, we have to sit through the Bucks uh, hammering the Pelicans who fraudulently made it through group play. Like it's not as if every year it goes according to chalk and every series goes to six or seven games and we get this great basketball. We, we have bad series all the time. So just because that's something that might come to fruition this year doesn't necessarily mean that it happened because it's a byproduct of whatever imperfect solution that we have. 
my because only that argument stuff, that stuff happens anyways yeah but my only argument to, to counter that is that stuff happens based on the results of the regular season like if the if the if the Houston Rockets got to the second seed last year, they don't see the Golden State Warriors to the conference finals when many expected them to. Granted, they were clearly the two best teams of the conference, but that's Houston's fault that they didn't finish uh, second or third. Now you're leaving it up to chance that you get that opportunity to you know, see. I have no problem with the best teams playing the best teams. My issue is, is that it's, it's done on a random way. Now, I know the argument out there to counter that is to let them pick teams, but... I, I don't like so that what if either. you what if you did it in a way where let's say you have your four groups okay and the top two teams from each group advance but then what if they rather than doing it kind of like how the world cup does it right where it's like you finish first you play this second place team in that group what if okay we have our eight teams we are now going to seat them according to regular season record so almost what happens in pool play only matters for getting out of your pool. But then once you're through, those eight are seeded based on what you did in the regular season. So you still have a situation where it's Bucks and Lakers and Clippers uh, rather than a, oh, crap, the Bucks finished second in their group. They got to play the Lakers in the second round. That way you're kind of doing a little bit of both. That's fair. I, 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 I don't mind that. That's a... Uh... That's a fair. That's a fair uh, you know, point. I, I just want to get some sort of um, kind of put some respect on the regular season. Is all I'm saying. You know, and I don't think the World Cup format does that. Like that, the World Cup format really could have worked at the beginning of the year. It's so random that it could. You know, nothing would have changed from the. No one gets any advantages if they had done this you know, at, in October versus now. My Whereas second once, point, by ahead. the way, which I now remember. <laughs> Is that um, eight minutes later? Wait a eight minutes later, did it, did it take the did it take the AC unit to jog your memory? Yeah, it did actually. Um, it came on and immediately it came to me. No, the the other thing for me is that the the one to sixteen format is something that's been talked about before. Um, so I think you know the World Cup idea. Like, Micah, do you really think that beyond this season, if they did do the World Cup this postseason, that they'd do it again? No, they would no, you couldn't do it ever again. Exactly. So I think that's the point then, because then if you do do the 1 to 16 and it works out well and it's more exciting than all this, there is a path towards that being the new playoffs moving forward. But then, no, but th- there's literally no way that they, would, they could do that because teams would be flying cross-cut. You'd be flying. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be pl- you would never play two games in the same city back-to-back. Teams would be flying all over the place. You, you could... They could literally approach it and say, we are only doing this this one time. You're not opening Pandora's box if the temporary solution is something that is so far out there that it's quite literally impossible to do again. I just think if you're going to change it up, you might as well change it to something that you could actually do in the future. And I do think that 116 is actually plausible. I, no, I, and they should. I don't want to hear about an extra hour on a flight and if – Whatever. If you're Miami and then all of a sudden one year you have to play Portland and then Phoenix and then the two L.A. teams and you're going cross-country for four rounds in a row, guess what? It means you reach the NBA Finals, so I don't feel sorry for you. (laughs) Um, I've never understood that. I read an article this morning uh, that was basically doing that, was like charting a hypothetical, this is why 1-16 to is bad. It's because one team might be saddled with having to do – four cross-country series in a row. Well, if you're playing in four in a row, it means you're playing for an NBA championship. So I don't understand what the, what the whole argument uh, with that. Would you guys agree that, by and large, right, uh, you know, you've, you've heard that, that phrase, right, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. No matter what we do, whether it's 1-16, to 16, whether it's we keep the conferences, whether it's pool play, for the most part, the same teams – that are going to win in one format are the same teams that are going to win in another. I was just about to, I was just about to ask you that because I, I have your article in front of me now with the tiers and there's five tiers and I wanted to go through each tier and ask your guys' opinion in terms of what would actually change because we're doing all this argument, arguing about the format that the playoffs might happen. You see it online all the time about give people giving their opinions one way or the other. And I truly will sit here and tell you, and probably shouldn't say this, uh, seeing as I'm trying to sell the game to multiple countries, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much would change regardless of the four. Even if we, if we do it the regular way, if we do it the, the World Cup way, if we do it the 1-16 way, 
I think that the, the champion's still going to be either the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks, one of those three teams. So I don't really see much changing either way. But I want to ask you guys this. If we were to go through, let's say, let's say the World Cup uh, format, because that's probably going give to us, give us the most random result. 1-16, you're still going to get the top teams go through eventually. They'll just have to play each other earlier. The World Cup format. In Tier 5 in your article, Micah, you have the Utah Jazz, uh, Orlando Magic Pacers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Those four teams have no shot, no shot in a, in a, in a seven-game seven series. Um, but in the World Cup format, do any of those teams strike you as someone that could maybe go on a run? No. I, there's, I mean, there's a reason why I said going into that article, and again, it's with the, the assumption that, that we were only going to have the 16, and so maybe we'll have more than that, maybe we won't. I, I don't see under any circumstance how any of those four teams – uh, could ever could ever do it? Could they get through uh, an advance out of a group? Yeah, like maybe I don't know. I what, any team can get hot and go rattle off a, a stretch where they go six and two over eight games. But then once you still get into, you're still playing best of seven series. And you still have to win three of them. Uh, and you know maybe had had Bogdanovich not gotten injured uh, for Utah, maybe we're having a different conversation about where the Jazz fit in, but. That with all the stuff going on but between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, then you add in Bogdanovich, and I, I just too much stuff's going on for Utah. And then those other three teams, I just don't think they're talented enough. If you had to pick no one, which happens. one would it be? Indiana, I think. Yeah, Scott, what do you? I'm got? intrigued. I'm intrigued by Memphis, but they're just too young. I, I'd probably go with Memphis. The the young the the youth kind of scares me, but. They got young legs. John Morant fears nobody, and he's the leader of that team. So I, I don't know. Out of all those teams, I could kind of see them catching lightning in a bo- lightning in a bottle and and uh, upsetting a few teams. I, I, I couldn't see them making the finals or anything, but um, they're probably the scariest of those teams today. Is this Pacers team better than the one that pushed LeBron to a game seven in the first round a couple years ago? No. What are we doing? No, they're not at all. What? This Pacers I would team? say yes, absolutely. Oh, 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 sorry. Wait, the one in the first round? I- yes. I'm yeah, saying that sorry, this sorry. this Pacers yeah. team right here is better yeah. or as good as the one that almost that basically came within a quarter of knocking out a team that ended up reaching the NBA Finals. I don't know actually, because because at least Victor Oladipo could kind of go toe to toe with LeBron offensively in that series. Not to saying that he's on the same level as him, but they had someone who could kind of go yeah. blow for blow with him. Victor Oladipo is not that guy, or he wasn't that guy prior to the season being suspended. So I think without that guy, they 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 wouldn't have a chance. I'm always, you know me, I'm always under the uh, impression that if I've seen it once, it doesn't matter to me if the guy got injured. I feel like he could still get back there, depending on age. Victor Olipo is still in the prime of his career. I think he could still get back to that player. Maybe this break actually helps him a little bit and get some more confidence, is able to to extend that and get closer back to that guy. Even without Victor Olipo playing at that level, because he was at an incredible level in that series, I think pound for pound this is a better team. Miles Turner... Uh, you know, uh, Sabonis is a better player. I think this is a better team uh, than that team that you know pushed the the, the Cavaliers that uh, that one year. And I think that out of the f- bottom tier that Micah has here, they would be the team that I would uh, peg to make a run. Let's move to tier number four, which you called the '99 Knicks. And as we said, the '99 Knicks went from eighth seed all the way to the finals. They even won one game in the NBA Finals series. Latrell Sprewell was incredible in that playoffs. You know who stunk in that playoffs? Larry Johnson. Go back and look at those numbers. In the, not in the entire playoffs, but in the finals, he was embarrassingly bad. Um, Brooklyn Nets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Miami Heat, and Dallas Mavericks are in that tier, tier number four. Uh, any of them strike you as someone that could make a run? So are we talking about this from the World Cup perspective or the one yeah, Always the World Cup's perspective. Because, I mean, the one to 16, we, we, know, we know what's going on there. Do we, though? Because for me, like a team like the Miami Heat, I don't necessarily know if they should move up a tier based on the World Cup format. But in the 1-16, to I do think they're a legit team. Like They should be in the tier above. Because you look at their path in the 1-16, to I think they could beat the Thunder in the first round. And as I said before, they matched up really well with the Bucks this season. Um, And they have a guy in Bam Adebayo who can kind of defend Giannis and, and contain him in a way that few players can. So for me, then you're looking at them in the conference finals against who knows on the other side of the bracket because there's the 76ers, the Celtics, and the Clippers. So the 1-16, to I think the Heat go up into another tier. 
when you say that, it makes me feel like you think the Heat could have made the NBA Finals had the playoffs started the regular right. way because the toughest team that they would have played in the second round would have been the Milwaukee Bucks and get, get past that. They're looking at a, a scenario where they're either playing the Celtics or the Raptors. I don't know. Who they have been matched up with in the first round originally? Was it the Pacers? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I disagree with Micah then now that I'm talking it through. I think the, <laughs> yeah, so the Miami I, Heat would have went to the finals in your opinion. I will say I, the I, one, I, didn't say I, the finals. I didn't say the finals. I just think that I, being in this tier with the same tier as the Nets, the Thunder, and the Mavericks, I mean, to me, none of those teams are realistically going to win the title. Right. Whereas just talking through that scenario, there is a chance that the Heat could get to the finals and potentially win to me. I don't think I likely, just, for, but... For all four of these teams, the one that I, I just I kept coming back to a little bit of matchups, a little bit of just uh, there's another there's kind of another ceiling of talent that these teams have that the ones that we already talked about don't have. Uh, in the case of Brooklyn, we're only having this conversation if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing. And now there's a chance that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could play and they'd get swept out of the first round anyway because those guys have never played together uh, and we have no idea what they look like. You know, so I look. It's it's not like I'm saying if those guys come back, watch out for the Brooklyn Nets, who are all of a sudden going to win an NBA title. Uh, the other team that I that I that I think warrants another hard look. Uh, I Scott, I agree with you. I I think when I originally wrote this, uh, within the, these four teams, I think I Miami is the one that stood up uh, out to me as the one that. Even though they've essentially been a 500 team since the turn of the calendar, for all the reasons that you already said, I think that they're a scary bunch. I, I'm not willing to count out Dallas either. Uh, just and 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 the single the simple fact that Luka Doncic I think is good enough where over any series like he could st- he could go toe to toe with pretty much anybody. Kind of in the same way that we we're talking about how. Victor Oladipo basically went toe-to-toe with LeBron. I think Luka could go toe-to-toe with any single player in the league. And for what it's worth, right now, the Dallas Mavericks have the number one, the single most efficient offense in NBA history. Whenever you have the single best offense in NBA history, you can get hot and beat anybody four out of seven, right? So now, could they do that four different times? Could they do that three different times or after advancing? I don't know, but like Kristaps Porzingis has been a 20 and 10 and two guy for basically two and a half months. Uh, I think they're deep. They got ball handlers. They got shooting. We've talked before about how these unprecedented conditions make coaching all that much more important. And Rick Carlisle is without a doubt, probably one of the four or five best X's and O's guys in the entire league. So I do think that Dallas uh, is a team that might, might give people a little bit more of a run for their money in terms of being a, a serious contender than, than on the surface they might warrant. Before the 1-16 format for the, uh, the Mavericks, by the way, is brutal because they play the Clippers in the first round and then the Celtics or the 76ers in the second round and then one of the Bucks, the Heat, and the Thunder. So that, that, that would be tough for them. But if we're talking the World Cup format, who knows? They'd be playing the Clippers anyway, even in the West. So right the first it. round matchup doesn't change for Dallas. So yeah, that's it's tough. Uh, before we move past uh, tier number two, I do want to you know spotlight because everyone talks about how good Luka Doncic is, and um, you know Porzingis obviously missed an entire season. He's only 24 years old. He played 51 games for the Mavericks this year and has been up and down. But as you mentioned, Mike, it has been kind of before this break. He was he was getting to the point where he looked similar to the guy that made an All Star team uh, in his third season in the NBA, and he's he's much better defensively than I think people realize. Um, you're right about that. I, I, until you started talking it out, I didn't think that the Mavericks might have had a chance, um, you know, going through in any format. But I think in the World Cup format, they're awkward enough that they might make it to the at least the knockout stage. Like uh, against anybody, Let, let's say that they're say that they're playing the Clippers. Say we don't say it's not a World Cup format. Say it's just a one to sixteen, and they're playing the Clippers in the first in the first round. And all of a sudden, like Luca goes for 38, 15, and nine, and he does it twice in a row. Then all of a sudden, Dallas is up 2 0, and you're like, wait, what? Like, w- would that really be that surprising? Yeah, I'm it not would. saying I, w- I wouldn't bet on it happening, but you, you would yeah. you'd be legitimately stunned. I, if you go back and look, I don't have it right in front of me. I think Luca had some of his worst games of the season against the Clippers. And I think if you're talking about an ideal matchup for them, it is not the Clippers who have two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. So I, I wouldn't see that as being a likely outcome. But that's just me. 
Yeah, but you, you you're forgetting. Why, why the Porzingis gotta rain on my caveat. parade, man? <laughs> you're forgetting the Porzingis caveat there. Like like he was starting to get back to feeling like he can he can play basketball again. Like at the start sure. of the season, it was a little bit. He was feeling his way, much like Oladipo, feeling his way. And you know, before this break, he was he was playing basketball a little bit. Yeah, but if we're if we're gonna sit here and talk about a world where the Mavericks beat the Clippers in a series, it's not because Porzingis is the best player on the floor. It's it's Luca at the end of the day. Hey, um, I watched I watched the uh, New Orleans Pelicans once beat a team in a four game sweep because the best player on the floor was the second best player on their team. Go on. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. For what it's worth, the last time that the Dallas <laughs> the the last time that the Clippers and uh, and Mavericks played each other, Luca had 36, 10, and nine, and they only lost by three. Struggled. Um, but go on, go on, and tell me that he. Okay, came what was the other game? What was the other game? He, he didn't have that good. A, he didn't have that good of a game in the other one. But that's back in November. We're not. Okay, so about we're just going to not talk about the bad game, and we're going to talk about the better game. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's correct. That sounds fair. Correct. To be fair, he only said that there was only going to be two games of uh, great Luca magic. So, um, you know, out of the seven game series, you'll take two if you're the Dallas Mavericks. Right, moving uh, on, tier three: uh, <laughs> the Denver Nuggets, Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics. I am not a betting man on basketball. I do bet, but I do not bet on the NBA. If I were to put money on a team in a random scenario today, not even knowing what the scenario would be heading into the playoffs, it would be one of these three teams. I think that you have the best to gain. They probably have the highest upside and probably you know the highest floor in terms of the expectations for any of these three teams under these circumstances. No one's going to be mad if they don't come out as champion. No one would be mad if they don't come out as champion in this circumstance. You don't think there's a little bit of pressure on them, though, to at least put up a fight and potentially make the what would be the conference finals? Because to me, all these teams, like the Nuggets have something to prove. Um, so do the Raptors. I don't like the Raptors w- wouldn't want to lose in the first round, for example. And, and the same thing with the Celtics. Like this is a young team that has is built around a potential superstar and Jason Tatum. I think all these teams have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to want to prove something. I think Denver is the only team that truly has the pressure to perform because nothing is substantially different about that team now as opposed to a year ago, right? So anything short of taking a step forward is seen as a lack of progress. Whereas the Raptors are trying to do it without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, right? So, like, that's obviously a built-in, completely understandable uh, excuse. And Boston, like, I think of all these three teams, I think Boston is the one that has the highest ceiling. Um, but I also think that, like, their best players are 21-year-olds. So you kind of have a little bit of a built-in thing here where it's saying, like, I know that Jason Tatum had that awesome postseason run um, as a rookie, but that was completely devoid of any expectation whatsoever. But I do think that if Boston were to come short, you would, you would, you would simply point to them and say uh, their best player is too young, uh, their, their big free agent acquisition was injured much of the season, and then had, we had this long layoff. They didn't add any, anything in the middle. I think there's some kind of built-in excuses there for Toronto and Boston, whereas if Denver is, stubs its toe and, and, and goes out early, I think you're left wondering a little bit more about them because one of the other things that they – have been saying this entire season, this is going all the way back to October and November, is they were, they were one of the teams that coming off a offseason in which the Lakers were overhauled and the Clippers were overhauled and the Rockets were overhauled and the Jazz were overhauled. Denver was the one team that pointed toward, towards its roster continuity and said, this is the thing that we're going to lean into. And so by leaning into that continuity, they kind of – they kind of painted themselves into a corner where if they don't take that next step, now all of a sudden you're looking around saying, okay, what do we need to change here uh, for this to work long-term? And, and I think it's harder for them to make those changes too, right? Because you look, they just signed Jamal Murray to that big extension, so they're paying him as basically to be the number two or one B to Jokic on that team. Um, Gary Harris still has a couple of years, making $20 million left on his contract and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Micah. I, I think there's, there's more of a spotlight probably on the Nuggets and for them to prove. Also, because, let's be honest, I, the, the teams that they, well, the Spurs team that they beat in the first round last year wasn't that great. And also, the team they went to seven games with in the, the conference semifinals and the Portland Trailblazers weren't that great either. Um, so, you know, it'd, it'd be good to see them play well in the playoffs because they're a young team, up-and-coming team, and they have young players in Jokic and, and um, Jamal Murray, but also to kind of build off of last season too. 
I find funny that uh, Jason Tatum has been able to kind of ride this way from the great playoffs that everyone seems to remember he had in his rookie season off of one or two plays. Uh, I know the big dunk and then going toe to toe with LeBron, he, uh, going toe to toe with LeBron in the, in the conference, uh, you know, in, in the conference finals in Game Seven. Go back and look at his numbers. First round against the Bucks, he was awful. He did come alive against the Sixers. He, he absolutely abused the Sixers, but he was okay against the, the the Cavaliers. He had some bad games in there. Like he wasn't spectacular, but you have to give him credit because he was a rookie and you're allowed ups and downs. I'm just saying, like people act as though he was like Larry Bird in those playoffs. Like let's relax a little bit. Yeah, well, no, well, he had some bad. No, I think they they do that because normally you would look at a guy like that and say, well, this is his first time. Kind of like how we would talk about like Luca. He's never been in the playoffs before, right? So you can't do the whole this is his first time in the playoffs. He's never been there. He doesn't understand the spotlight or the pressure. Where like yeah, he kind of like he's been there. Like I, it's different, and he played pretty well, but it's it's just it's just a little bit of a unique situation with Tatum that I, that you can't just skirt around and say that this is his first time doing it. But you, I don't know. I, I mean, I think of- you you can't talk about Tatum and not talk about that postseason run when it comes to forecasting what Boston might do as a postseason team. I mean, Mike, you can probably speak more to this than I can, but that was one of the best postseason runs by a rookie. Maybe not in NBA history, but in a long time, right? It's like him it was the, yeah, I believe it was the most points ever scored in the postseason by a rookie. Now, some of that is what, you know, we have longer longer series and the playoff format's different and yada, yada, yada. But um, he was good. He was good. I'm I mean, also he wasn't good. He, I'm just saying people talk about this playoff run like, you know, he was, he was out of yeah. control special. The one guy in this group that I that I actually don't think has any pressure on him uh, is actually Nicole Jokic. I we were just talking about how Denver has all this pressure on it. I think the pressure in Denver is about everybody else there. I think Jokic, what he did last year, like he was a twenty five thirteen and eight guy. Like he was less than forty eight hours after playing a four overtime game, coming back and dropping a thirty point triple double. Uh, when, when all people were doing the whole year is questioning what kind of what kind of shape he's in and and stuff. I, I actually don't think that Jokic is the guy that would sort of fall on the sword uh, if Denver were, were to come up short here. I think it's Jamal Murray. I think it's Gary Harris. I think it's I people think working it's, around. Maybe it's do I don't think it's them. I think it's I think it's Mike Malone. And it, it's funny. Like in, when Denver came to Charlotte, I went. I went to that game and I watched Mike Malone talk about his team. And it felt to me, this is outside looking in. Obviously, I'm not in the locker room. I don't follow the team and, and cover him. But it felt to me in that moment, the little space of time that I had with him, that he was losing his voice in the locker room and, and they had stopped listening to uh, his message. And, and that happens. You, you hear the same message over and over and over again. It, it's, it, you know, it's, it's tough to, to really break through, especially to a younger team. And they don't have a ton of vets there. Uh, all of their best players are, what, under 25, 26 years old? They don't have any guy, anybody that's that's been there and done that. I mean, Paul Melsap is there, yes, but Melsap, Melsap's yeah. not like the get up and rah rah guy. He's he's more of a try and follow me, you know, lead by example type of guy. So, if the coach the coach is the leader of the team in that sense because the team is so young and he's a vocal leader, and the way that he was expressing his disdain to the media for his team's lack of effort after he's told them behind closed doors that they need to bring it. It sounds a little bit like maybe they're not tuning him out, but they're turning the volume down a little bit on him. Mike, I got a question for you. Do you think that people talk about Joel Embiid and Nikola Vucevic a little bit different this year after the playoffs last year? Um, yeah, I think so. So I what, happens if, what happens if Jokic plays against Marc Gasol in the second round of the Sweet 16 format and the same thing happens to him that happened to them? It could have, yeah, it could. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think he answered, he answered the call. And there's a difference between playing poorly, but then playing poorly with there being something you could point to on your resume saying you are capable of doing this, right? Like Joel and like, what has Joel Embiid done in a playoff series or an entire postseason to show that he's capable of of bringing his game to that level? Uh, Nikola Vucevic certainly hasn't done that. I, we've seen Jokic do it. So I think like people are allowed to have bad postseasons. And I think if, if, if that were to happen with Jokic, I think he would chalk it up 
you'd be more likely, I think, to chalk it up to he just didn't play well versus a bigger picture narrative about he's not capable of doing it. Because I, I think what we saw from him last year showed that he is capable of doing it. Yeah. The only thing for me, again, those, those teams weren't great to me and there wasn't a good, clear matchup for him. And I'm talking to someone who's, you know, one of the biggest Jokic's fan, Jokic fans, especially on our team, but I also think in like the NBA universe, I love that guy. Um, I think he's a legit MVP candidate and everything. I, I just do feel like there's a little bit of a spotlight, probably more so than you're making out to me, to me at least. So you just that you're are, are you hinting at the notion that three years from now he'd be better cast as the second option next to Michael no. Porter Jr.? Definitely not. Don't we don't need to go there. Hey, look, what? I've come around. I've come around on Michael Porter Jr. I, you have. I think that's enough, right? You gotta give me that. By the way, just to go back to the to the your your, your Embiid and Vucevic uh, question, I think Vucevic got crushed because people kind of expected didn't expect um, you know a, a certain level from him. Like he was a borderline All Star as it was like he was just he was just on there and it gave his performance in the playoffs gave everyone that was saying that he wouldn't be able to play at that level all the fuel that they needed and on the flip side it was a complete opposite for Embiid. Embiid was supposed to be that guy and we didn't see it he looked like he couldn't play uh you know in in some parts of the game and that's why people were crushing him. where i think Jokic got a lot of respect in the playoffs a year ago and you know we're going to give him a little bit longer of a of a leash because, like Micah said, we, we, we just saw it. Um, let's move to the, the, the second tier. The Sixers and the Rockets, they're on the second tier by themselves, and it wouldn't shock me if either of these teams won the championship in any playoff format uh, given the, f- the circumstances that we're under. Yeah, the, the, you, you could tell me that one of them will win the NBA title. Uh, you could tell me that they will play each other in the NBA finals or that they'd get swept in the first round, and I wouldn't. I would believe you. Great. I, have no, I have no idea what's going to happen with either of these teams. Right. They're both the, probably the two hottest teams to read in the NBA right now, right? Yeah, they have 100%. to be, right? 100%. But the one thing that they have on their side is that, you know, they were able to, on the Rocket side, this break has given James Harden, uh, you know, gotten rid of the excuse that he gets tired in the playoffs. And on the Sixers side, uh, they're actually healthy, you know, heading into a postseason, which they hadn't been the last two postseason runs. If you remember, Joel Embiid's been hurt both times, right? Heading into the postseason, you know, broke Didn't his face the one first time. round. Didn't he miss yeah. the first round in both the last postseasons? Yeah, so he might have played one or two games. Yeah, I think that's right. He did. He did come back against Miami, but he had to wear a mask. Like it was a whole. It's been a whole ordeal. Yeah. This time he'll be coming in fresh as a daisy. All right, we finally got to tier number one. The big three, as Michael calls it: Bucks, Clippers, Lakers. My opinion: the champion will be one of those three teams. Uh, and I, I have. I'm still riding the Lakers bandwagon. Um, you guys have been on the Clippers all year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, you're both shaking your head. So yeah, it's, you're right. it's given the World Cup format. Does that change your mind a little bit? It's just hard for me to say because we we still don't well, that's understand why I the question, Scott. Because I don't know, Colin. This, this is look. If you ask me the question about the one to sixteen format, I can give you a better answer because I have the one to sixteen seated right in front of me, and I can see what their path to the finals would be. All right, the give reality me that one first, and then you can you can sit on the fence for the World Cup one. Go ahead. Go ahead, Micah. <laughs> uh, no, I I think that the I. If you're seeding one to sixteen, uh, the chances of both of these teams winning goes up strictly from the fact that they don't have to play each other until the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think it's as simple as I, – I just think it boils down to that. I think that uh, these are I, – I don't know. These are the two best teams. Uh, with all due respect to Milwaukee, I think they've had a great season. Giannis deserves to win the MVP. I've been riding the Chris Middleton train the whole year. I think he's been a very good number two, uh, deserving of an all-star and everything. But I just think that there, there are far more questions with that team than there are with the Lakers and Clippers. And I think if there's one, if there's one thing to hang your hat on uh, as to why we would want to do the 1-16 to 16 as opposed to some type of World Cup-style group play is I do think that the idea of the Lakers and Clippers meeting for all the marbles uh, and, and actually do so, and this is one, one instance where uh, – if that were to happen, it being in Orlando instead of LA, I think is actually a great equalizer because, like, if if those teams play in LA, the Lakers get are up, that's a home game every game for the Lakers, right? So I think under this under this circumstance, uh, they're, they're just it's so unique that I think it would actually be the most fair way of having those two teams play each other. I throw a curveball here. 
I actually think that if we go to the 116, the, the Lakers-Clippers face off in the finals, I actually think that not having to play in LA would favor the Lakers a little bit than it would have had they played seven games at home with a ton of pressure, all the media you in the def- world. You got to defend I, that. You got to defend I, I, I just think, that. I just think that the Clippers would have no pressure at all in a series like that with knowing that they have seven home games or seven road games, essentially. They are the ultimate underdog team. Patrick Beverly thrives off that. Kawhi Leonard thrives off that stuff. Doc Rivers has thrived off that stuff, you know, the entire time. He cannot preach that if they're playing in a neutral uh, facility. Like, it's, it's legitimately just game on game. It, there's going to be no crowd there. There's not going to be anyone to, to, you know, cheer them on or boo them. It's just going to be game on game. And you take away that emotional aspect. Like, Patrick Beverly would get excited about being booed. Right, like if he right. did, if he if he had any sort of friction or got in the face of LeBron, and the crowd has that energy, he, he he's an energy guy. He he would get ex- Marcus Morris, another guy. He he would get excited with that type of stuff. Uh, Montrez, Montrez would get excited with that type of energy. You take that away from them, uh, you know. I, I I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be a bad team, of course not. But I'm saying that I think that benefits the Lakers a little bit more. And we saw that, you know, in Game One when it was a playoff atmosphere, that was supposed to be a Clipper home game and it, and it was a Laker home game. And every time the Laker fans tried to drown out the Clippers, the Clippers made a play to shut them up. They won't have that opportunity to do that. If we do that in Orlando. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with you. Cause I just think they're a bunch of gamers and it's not going to change that much. I, you don't I think not, not having a crowd is not going to affect any team this entire post. No, I think it's going to affect everyone, but it's just such a curveball that we have no idea how it's going to impact the team. So it's hard for me to speak on that. I just wouldn't go as far as saying that I think the Lakers would be favored in the series because of it. I didn't say One that. I said I it think- would actually, it would actually help the Lakers more because they won't have that home crowd pressure constantly versus uh, being at home for seven games. Like, they won't have the, the pressure of the media. They won't have LeBron going to the free throw line when the, when the, the gym is going to be completely silent at Staples Center is, is different than when the gym's actually going to be silent for the entire game and he clanks the free you throw. Can, you can already hear LeBron blaming a loss on there were no fans, there was no crowd to feed off the energy. <laughs> I do it for the fans. It's not the same without him, right? Can you already hear him saying that? Uh, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. I, I just did it. I am doing it. I, I do think, look, you, you just brought something up about the, the Clippers being one of those teams that uh, might, uh, might struggle in terms of they're a team with a chip on their shoulder that feeds off opposing crowds and whatnot. I think going the other direction, we skipped over them pretty quickly. I think the Houston Rockets are a team that would actually do very well by playing more in empty arenas because, like, Whatever, like we, we kind of joke all the time that like the, the Houston Rockets are a team that was built on a spreadsheet and like their spreadsheets don't have crowd noise and like you don't hear James Harden doesn't strike me as one of those guys that rides particularly high or particularly low. He's a pretty monotone guy. I know like Russ is real fiery, but it just the the manner in which that team plays they strike me as a group that would actually probably do a little bit better under these circumstances uh, than others might. Do you have a I team agree. that might do a little better, Scott, under these circumstances? No, I, I mean, I was going to say the Rockets, to me, stand out for the same reasons that Micah mentioned. And I think another thing that they have um, in their favor is that they only recently just went all in on small ball to the point where a lot of teams haven't played them. Um, and you know, we, we saw that first game, I think it was after the trade deadline when they beat the Lakers in L.A., like they can just catch teams off guard because they're so unorthodox. I mean, Russell Westbrook is basically playing center in a lot of these games. We saw the Utah Jazz, for example, match up Rudy Gobert with him. Um, so there's so many little things like that. Like there's a game within a game with the Rockets because you have James Harden shooting 10, 20 step back threes a game. You have Russell Westbrook bulldozing his way to the basket on a spread court and everything like that. And I think when you add all these other elements with, you know, a neutral court, no crowd, um, it's just going to make, it could make them a pain to play because, I'm with you guys that they could lose in the first round and it wouldn't shock me at all, but they're also just not a fun team to play against. And it's just utter chaos whenever they play. That's a team that does better in a round robin format too, right? Because what we've seen it time and again, how James Harden in game one of the series has his way. And then teams slowly are able to adjust, take a deep breath, step back. And then they, you know, the, the, everything is on tape, right? So I think the more teams get comfortable playing them, 
the worse they fare. Whereas you, you go in some round robin tournament, like you don't have, you, it's not like you play Houston and then you can go back and you can watch tape and practice and scheme. No, you're, you're playing a different team each of the next three games before you're finally then going back to Houston. So I, I think the Rockets are a team. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the first round uh, pretty much against anybody uh, in a 1-16 through 16 format. I would be surprised if they didn't make it out of a, out of a round-robin format just because they're so weird and they're a team that if you can't get comfortable against, you, just, you, you might struggle. Yeah, they're, they're, they're streaky, very streaky. On the flip side of things, who, who do you see struggling in an environment where there's no crowd, no fans, no nothing? I honestly see the Tier 2 team, Philadelphia 76ers, who have been awesome at home and awful on the road being the team that, to me, stands out as a, a, a team that would struggle with no crowd noise. Like, you know, that Philly crowd is, is, is giving that team so much energy constantly um, I, I think when you lose that home court advantage and, and you know, Joel Embiid is an emotional guy. He runs, he runs hotter when the crowd's kind of, you know, giving it to him a little bit. He's, he's always raising his hands, telling the crowd to cheer a little bit more. Ben Simmons is a, is an even keel kind of guy, but he does, if you go back and look at him, he does get excited and does play well when the crowd's kind of cheering them on and, and moving with them. So you, you take that element out of it. Uh, and they have to self-motivate. I just don't know if the, team, the Philadelphia 76ers are the self-motivating team out there. By the way, easy to forget, the 76ers were 29-2 and two at home this season. 10-24 yeah. and 24 on the road. Awful. Unbelievable. Awful. Unbelievable. That, is the, uh, that is the single largest home versus road disparity of any team in the shot clock era. That's way. awful. It's yeah, crazy. So, so their Sixers are my team. What do you got, Scott? The Sixers are a good one. I, I was going to ask you guys, do you think, so I, I was just looking at this strictly from like who the best home team's been this season. And the two teams that jump out, obviously the Bucks. they've only lost three games um, at home. Miami's another one. They're 27 and five at home, 14 and 19 on the road. Um, Colin, like you, I think the Sixers are probably the best bet here, but maybe, I don't know. Those are two Milwaukee's a good one too, because I, I feel like Milwaukee's style of play um, the way that they, you know, they get up and down the court and shoot a lot of threes, they do feed off that Pfizer Forum Arena uh, more than people kind of realize in terms of when those threes are dropping. And and we saw last year in the playoffs when when those threes aren't falling for them and that crowd has nothing to cheer about, that home court advantage is kind of taken away. It's going to be interesting to see when threes aren't falling for Milwaukee and they have to rely on Giannis not just from a playoff, not just from getting ball in the basket sort of way, but in terms of just getting their energy up. It's going to be interesting to see how they can do that in a uh, neutral setting. Two other teams, by the way, the Raptors, who have one of the best home courts in the league. The Nuggets too, right? With the altitude, that's a big yeah. one. That's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's a little bit overblown nowadays. Like, I think that was a big deal in like the 90s or early 2000s. I think we're, you know, we're up to the point where you know, Utah and Denver, people aren't really worried about going to play playoff series there. Like Portland went into Denver and won a game seven. You know, Utah got yeah. bounced in the first round last year, and uh, Houston took two of the games there in, in Utah. Like, I, I think we're past the – like, athletes are in such good shape now that we're past the point where, you know, the altitude is really affecting them, right? The altitude and the rest thing is something that I just – I think is always overblown. Like, I understand that there's a little bit of an, uh, of an impact there, but I, I think, by and large, I think it's just – it's trying to do calculus to explain something that can be done with two plus two. Um, I do think that the, so if you, you know, we just mentioned that the Bucks are one of those, uh, great home teams. Bucks are also the best road team in the NBA, 25 and nine, a net mm. rating of plus 7.7. The team with the second best net rating on the road this season, my Dallas Mavericks, Ooh. another reason to do not sleep on Luka Doncic and Mr. Kristaps Porzingis making some you're, noise. You're talking yourself into Dallas winning the NBA championship here in the last half hour. Wait, you wait, guys gave me... No, wait. I just remember... No, hold on. I'm remembering this now. This is not me talking myself into it, by the way, because you guys on this podcast probably four months ago uh, yelled at me when I started tossing around the C word with the Dallas Mavericks. Contender, baby. 
Wait a second, but going back, did you just say the Mavericks have the second best road record in the league? No. Second best net, net rating. Okay. All right, cool. Just wanted to check. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> Yell at me for something I didn't say. Let's do it. Come on. No, I, I asked you the question to make sure that I understood it right, and I was wrong. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm good. To be, to be fair, he does have like a, an AC unit making lawnmower noises in his, uh, in his ear right <laughs> it now. It cuts so. in and out. It cuts <laughs> in and out. I, I'm having a hard time hearing. Could not figure it out. <laughs> uh, so there we have it. It, it whether, Whatever way you slice it, it's going to be an interesting playoffs um, or at least an interesting announcement. I don't know how much interesting the playoffs can actually can actually be unless we get the world cup format then it will be interesting but they're gonna be great it's gonna be mayhem it's gonna be basketball it's not gonna be us yelling at each other on zoom yeah basketball we're still gonna be doing that we're still gonna be doing that yeah basketball in general i'm gonna be excited about but i'm less excited about this playoff format thing i I just want the one to 16 um keep it simple adam or keep it simple sliver Use the kiss for use the kiss format like, for that. What are you talking about? <laughs> and and just leave it at that. Uh, we'll be back with a live episode on Tuesday. You can catch us on NBA.com, uh, ca.nba.com. We will have the live show ready to go. What we will talk about, hopefully we'll be talking about the season returning. Uh, but in the meantime, go back and listen to me and Micah yell at each other for about 45 minutes about the different formats and whether or not uh, one would be better than the other. For Scott Rafferty and Mike Adams, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you next week right here on NBA Sound System.